0: Thank mm-hmm. you.
1: Maren, thank you for joining us. It's good to see your face again.
2: Hi, Alicia. It's wonderful to be back and connected with you on Earth Day. Happy Earth Day to everybody. Happy
1: Earth Day. Happy Earth Day. Okay, so tell us, where are you? So originally, you're, you're from Germany. So you're here in the
2: States. You've been here for a few weeks. Where are you right now? I am currently at Woodstock and I'm actually in the radio Woodstock uh, conference room. This is why I'm having such a fancy interior behind me. Um, we had our uh, Earth Day talk live a, a little bit earlier that got broadcasted already. So they allowed me to hang out here for the next presentation with you guys.
1: Wonderful. Thank them for us, please.
2: <laughs> Definitely. Right.
1: So. You have some things you wanted to share with us. Um, should I just bail on the screen right now and uh, leave you to it? Or how do you want to move, move forward?
2: Um, I would, if, if possible, um, I would like to uh, pull in my presentation. I will be um, telling a story, um, basically a visual story that I want to share with everybody about the indigenous voice and oh. also about hemp as a compass back to nature. So I'm not sure if technically we can pull in the, the, the slideshow or.
1: Okay, well, I'm going to remove my, I'm going to remove myself from it. Okay. You can start talking and eventually, hopefully we will get that slideshow up and running.
2: <laughs> that, that sounds good, but I can also do a little intro without the slideshow. That is not a problem. There you go. There you go. Okay. All right. Well, hello everybody and a very happy Earth Day to all of my sisters and brothers globally out there. And I do want to say, and I know it's been said before, I do hope that we have a worthy reason to be celebrating Earth Day every single day. I think this is what we ought to be doing. And um, just today, as I was uh, getting done with my radio interview here at Woodstock, I was actually taken out on a little hiking trail. Um, and it was one of these moments that really reconnected me to the story that I want to share with everybody today, which is basically we we walked by this 10,000-year-old Indigenous culture that now is flooded by a reservoir, which is the Esopus people here in in Woodstock, the, the reservoir that's there. And this really kind of tied in for me Um to think about, you know, why I'm presenting you the story that I want to present. Obviously, I'm, you know, I I didn't feel entitled in the beginning to actually talk about the Indigenous voice, but Alicia actually uh, reconfirmed me and and encouraged me to do that, um, because in, it was in 2017, I actually got a wonderful chance to live with a Sami indigenous people, and I think that's a good intro where we don't really need the images yet. So I'll be doing this really quick, while well, hopefully Mikey can pull up the the presentation in the background. Um, so the the Sami indigenous people are our European indigenous people of the North, and when I say North, I specifically do not say of only Norway, Sweden, Finland, and Russia where they live because their lands are called Sápmi. And Sápmi really extends over all of these four countries in the northern part. And um, it was in 2018 that I was actually going up to Kirona in Sweden to have a um, to do a, a documentary about the, the Sámi. And this is when I got to know, uh, meantime, a wonderful friend of mine, um, Lena Pitya, who runs the, the Sápmi nature camp up in the basically above the Arctic Circle, and it's it's a glamping experience that he offers for visitors and tourists to come and basically experience sort of like the light intro into the Sami culture, and um, this, this was my beginning, and I became really good friends with Leonard, and Leonard helped me to understand more about his culture and also Gave me a lot of insights and, and handed on a lot of his contacts um, to me. Ah, perfect. We got the presentation now. Um, Mikey, if you can, can you pull it up in the full screen? All right, perfect. Thank you so much for making this happen. I, I will have to say that I, I didn't make it very easy on the back end of the tech team because I literally just stepped out of the emergency of a hospital so my file was not sent when it was supposed to be sent so I take full credit and I'm saying a big sorry but I'm glad to be here and sharing this despite despite the fact (laughs) and um, Mikey whenever you can uh, maybe forward to the next slide.
0: Hello, just the voice inside your head here. Um, she's working on getting it full screen for you right now.
2: Perfect. Excellent. Well, and if, if if this is what we're seeing, that works as well. But if you could forward to the next slide, that will be perfect. Then people can see the the teepee with the Northern Lights in the background. Uh-oh.
0: Okay. If, I think she's if, trying again
2: okay, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna continue my story, so we're not losing time and running behind schedule, and then we can just scroll through the images. and I think people can enjoy that as well then. Okay. so basically you're gonna have to be good listeners now to then mm-hmm. match the the context to the images. So basically, um, at the above the Arctic Circle, I got exposed to the to the Sami culture, and I was deeply deeply impressed because Lena told me one of the things that the Sami people go out every morning and they read the Sami newspaper. And what he meant by that is that he walked on skis over the snow and he was checking how the snow conditions are, what kind of tracks from animals were there, how the lichen is hanging off the trees and all these things that are basically telling him how nature is doing, if there was a cold spill or if there was maybe some global warming thing going on. So if there's some ice in between the layers of snow, and this really deeply impressed me because, you know, we what what do we do in our cultures? Most of us, I speak here for myself, um, we pull out our cell phone first thing in the morning and we check our Instagram, we check our Facebook, we check LinkedIn, we check our emails. But tentatively, these things tell us very little about our environment out there. And they also don't really give us a deeper connection with nature and Mother Earth. So it really it really resonated with me that there is something like a Newspaper that you could read that actually brings you in tune and in sync with with nature around us. Um, Isla, if you if you could back up in the images a little bit to the top, yeah, start start at the very 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 first slide and then we'll just run through exactly. So this is the Submi Nature Camp in Kiruna. This was my first introduction to the culture. And then if you go to the next slide, this, I actually brought that in there because I was going to tell the reservoir story about Woodstock. So this was just about an hour ago when we had the live interview with Woodstock Radio here. And, you know, we're, we are on indigenous ancestral lands here in, in uh, Woodstock as well. So it's, we are, we are Mother Earth. We are with the culture of the people. It's just that in so many places has really taken a toll our modern lifestyles and everything that, you know, we we basically destroy instead of keeping things alive and learning from them. So if you move on to the next uh, slide, please. Now, let me tell you a story on how this all connects to the hemp story. So basically, six years ago, I moved in my car because I was reporting or documenting the global uh, rediscovery of industrial hemp and how it's being used for the climate crisis or better saying to mitigate the climate crisis so i i lived in my car i had a pretty simple lifestyle there was no water there was no electricity there was no sanitary um, facilities or anything And basically drove through um, most of the 26 countries I visited for this project. I mostly visited in my car, not all of them. If you go to the next slide, this was one of the places, Mongolia, where I did not go in the car, but actually on train. And um, so basically, I was learning from this hemp plant. And this was becoming my roadmap, my compass back to nature, because I was realizing that you can clothe, house feed, heal people with this plant. And then eventually I, of course, had to always make that adjustment and see how, how is that actually used in our you know global climate and socio-ecological crisis. And if you go to the next slide, um, now we're going back to the Sámi and we're actually here, we're in, in Norway, in Dreevsjö, and I was invited to join one of the reindeer herding events, which are the really, really big events in the Sami calendar, because they have to, the the reindeer are pretty much wild animals that are still belonging to people. And they definitely are the livelihood of the Sami people. So they herd the reindeer together twice a year, and then they basically decide which animals get slaughtered. And when you look at Arka, Arka is the, the Sami name for grandmother. Grandmother is standing in this big corral and looking at the reindeer and despite her age, um, Arca is close to 100 years almost, um, she had a very fine sense for for knowing exactly which reindeer are the best to survive in nature, but also which ones are the best to be adapting to all of the effects of of global warming, of the climate crisis, because there's food scarcity for these animals. Unfortunately, a lot of the old forests are being uh, plowed away by the by the forest industry, and we use them for paper for packaging. Due to uh, COVID, actually, all of these demands on paper products in general have unfortunately gone skyrocketing. So, you know, from pizza boxes to delivery boxes to any food being delivered in you know paper, um, uh, I'll say utensils or boxes or packaging. So all of this is forests that are actually taken out from Scandinavia, taken out from Central Europe. And most of these forests, and we tend to forget that, they're not plantation forests. They're actually primary forests that serve biodiversity. And in that case for the Sami, they contain the lichen that the reindeer feed off exclusively during the wintertime. So, since lichen is becoming rare, because these old growth forests are disappearing, if you can kind of forward to the next slide, please, Um, you can now see, you know, people, the Sami basically have to collect the lichen now in the summertime, to then be feeding their reindeer during the winter, so that they're not starving. The food scarcity for the reindeers doesn't only happen because of the, of the, you know, the, the what's it called the deforestation of the forests, but also because of climate of the climate or the global warming. With the global warming, what happens is that oftentimes even above the Arctic Circle, you have rainfalls in the middle of winter and they put a thin layer of ice in the middle of the snow. And oftentimes that prevents the reindeer from being able to smell the lichen. If you can advance one slide, please. Um, so you can you can see that reindeer uh, feeding off the lichen and the bag in the front is basically where they collect the lichen to then make sure that their reindeer don't starve. But oftentimes these animals just run on their food and they just simply can't smell it. So they don't know that there's actually food right underneath them. And that is something that's definitely happened with global warming more and more. And if you advance to the next slide, please. Um, you know, this is this is one of the interior um, shots from the family that invited me to stay with them for several weeks in Sweden, in uh, Grövelrön. And it's a Sami family, and it was, to me, it was a, a, a phenomenal opportunity and a wonderful um, sign of friendship when they invited me to come and stay with them. And it was, you know, the most busy season to be slaughtering reindeer and, you know, preparing the meat for consumption, which... By the way, the reindeer meat is exactly the same like wild animal meat or, or you know, deer, which contains a lot of uh, vitamin B12, which means that that's something really, really important to counteract for the loss of light during the Arctic winters. They are very, very dark, and usually you don't have much sunlight at all so i was i was allowed to stay with uh, helena and peter for several weeks and it was quite telling to you know learn on a daily basis what they're struggling with it's the, the the fighting against predators it's the fighting against the forest industry that keeps negotiating but then also not waiting out the evaluations that are done by the forest bi- biologists to actually save old growth forests so if you advance one more slide please um what we're seeing here is actually a lake that is not completely frozen over which you know the image looks beautiful but actually this is a very very big threat for the reindeer as well because as soon as the the temperatures doesn't don't drop anymore to the point where the entire waters freeze over completely the reindeer also can't migrate across the lakes now they have to take a much much longer route around the lakes oftentimes these um, these routes, m- are, are how do you say crossed by by heavy uh, traffic uh, roads which means a lot of the reindeer get killed by cars you know hit in the night I mean they love to be on the on the roads because the roads actually contain the salt that people put on the roads to keep them from freezing over so that's what the what the reindeer then like to lick and so they're standing in the middle of a road where they surely don't belong but this is probably the only place where at that point they' are finding any food. So if you go one more um, slide, please, the next one. So what we're seeing here is actually one of these, you know, primary old growth forests. It doesn't look like the classic Amazon rainforest, where you have huge bi- you know, the, the biomass leaves and everything. But these forests are tentatively 650 years and plus. And that's about what it needs for a reindeer to really be able to feed off the forest. And if you go to the next slide, we will see the, um, the, the forest biologist uh, Sebastian Kirpu, um, he's from Sweden as well, and he has actually closed shoulders with the Sami and in order to help them. So he does a lot of inventories from forests, and what you see on the right hand side is a teeny, teeny, tiny lichen that with bare, bare eyes you can't even see. It's a teeny lichen that that grows on uh, burnt wood, so you know it's been hardwood because that wood didn't burn away during a forest fire. And then they take hundreds of years to form. Now this lichen is actually a real good indicator plant to show that this is a very viable uh, biodiversity forest and that it's not allowed to be plowed down. And Sebastian has actually been able to save quite a lot of the the endangered uh, forests for the Sami people so that they can actually you know, continue grazing their their reindeer there during the winter time. And now I'm actually telling you why this story became so important for me. If you go to the next slide, please. We're seeing the cover of my book, Ages for Hemp, which I have just uh, published about a month ago, and which is also one of the reasons why I'm traveling in the United States right now, because I'm basically doing a little uh, book promo tour, and I was working physically together with Alicia for the last weeks as well. And there is a chapter in this book that basically contains this entire story about the Sami, but that's not all. It actually inspired me on developing a whole paper with a German paper company, uh, Hannemühle, a special hemp paper that I could print my book about hemp on. So it's basically a book on hemp printed on hemp. And if you go to the next slide, I do want to kind of give you guys a little nerdy fill into the, the background structure of this book, which will also tie it in with the Sami people. So Sami people, um any indigenous people and this i think is really also the message of today's um, earth day talk talks that you know the, the indigenous wisdom is something that we can use so well to solve our modern problems because if you look at the stoner economy um, uh, model from kate Raworth, you will see an inner and an outer circle the outer circle is uh, basically showing all of the planetary boundaries going from land change to global warming, climate change, ocean acidification, you can see them. And then the inner circle is what humanity needs to not be living in poverty. And um, one of the Sami people I met during my travels up north told me that it was Elemerete, and she told me that, you know, we Sami people actually live the most sustainable lifestyle we live the green deals of this world and that really struck a note in me and then i kind of researched what the green deals are all about to then put it into correlation with what the sami basically have as their ground structure to to life and if you look at it it says water energy housing network political voice all these things that are comprised of the inner circle of the donut and it's really true the sami you know they they live and they feed ecologic. Their reindeer are never transported to slaughterhouses. They're actually herding them together and then they're slaughtering them right on that location where they come together. So there's no additional transportation. There's no stress involved for the animals before they get killed. Um, it all happens pretty, you know, and well, of course it's not natural, but it's, it's a very decent and, and dignified process that they undergo. And if you go to the next slide, um each chapter of my book um, is actually comprised of one of these inner circle topics so the tree free uh, paper the t is for tree free is actually telling that story about the sami and how this inspired me to develop hemp paper because i figured you know if if our paper consumption is so lethal and so um detrimental on indigenous populations and and also on the on the livelihood of them then I cannot afford to print my book on on hemp because basically i'm trying to solve or come up with solutions for the socio-ecological crisis i do not want to be part of feeding into the problems anymore if you go to the next slide um, one of the leading questions in this chapter was really why is paper so bad for the environment and this is when you go to the next slide uh, pretty easily uh, explained in this infographic Um, About 63% of all our papers are tree-based. Now, 34% is based on recycled products, but recycling on uh, tree-based paper can only be done about two or three times. After that, the pulp doesn't really work anymore. And here is where the hemp came in. And I didn't really see that when I was uh, living with the Sami people, that there was such a strong connection to hemp. But actually, the hemp plant can replace the tree pulp completely. If you go to the next slide, please. Um, we see, you know, one of these native uh, forests also in the summer. So you see they're very light and heavy. There's a lot of mosses. And these are basically the good things that the, the reindeer feed off. Unfortunately, all of this stuff also gets taken out when we when we um, deep when we when we cut down the forest for paper making or for paper supply. And if you go on to the next uh, slide, please. We will see a whole stack of, yes, this one. We will see a whole, this is a whole stack of uh, hemp fiber. So hemp is an annually regrowing crop. It takes about three months to develop to full size and it can deliver more pulp, uh, roughly four four times more pulp than a forest can for papermaking. So we have a perfect exchange for everything. And it really doesn't need to be that we continue plowing down native forests on ancestral lands to feed our paper and pulp industries. If you please go on to the next um, slide. Um, being time conscious, I know I'm coming close to the end here. Um, we're seeing the modern papermaking uh, process. And you know, it's, it's a lot of material that goes in there. If you go to the next slide, this is actually Hahnemühle and the, the paper line where the hemp paper was produced on that the book is printed on and by the way I keep talking about the book let me show it to you this is the book H is for hemp it's a pretty thick book it became an encyclopedia on hemp so we definitely we had a big need for paper on this book and I'm quite glad that I can say you know it's it's something that's done sustainably and um, if you go to the next slide please this is basically my message to everybody that you know we we definitely profit i profited from listening to the indigenous voice and taking the wisdom that was shared with me very openly which i'm very grateful for and i do want to give a big thank you to all of my sami friends maybe and hopefully some of them are listening you guys have deeply inspired me on you know going a two-year process of developing a hemp paper and I really, really hope that this hemp forest that we can see in this last slide will be our future, that it will replace, or better saying, that this will replace our, our paper demand um, supply chain so that we can actually leave the forests for what they're meant for, for biodiversity and also for a healthy Mother Earth. I do want to jot at that point that about 80% of our world's biodiversity is found on 21% of the indigenous lands or lands that are still run by the indigenous people. So this should really make us all think and should really convince us that there, you know, the, the forests need to be standing for something else. And on that note, I will be closing if you want to put in the last slide. Um, this is how you can find me on my website you can also um, look for me on instagram and facebook and follow my journey i try to keep updated what i'm doing with the book and where i'm presenting it next i will have a new or a next engagement also with alicia together in uh, latvia which i'm greatly looking forward and just want to say a big thank you for giving me the chance to present a big thank you for everybody who has so far presented it's been really really interesting and thank you alicia and to the whole team for handling this immense event today you're doing great
1: Lauren, thank you very much um i know you've been you've been quite busy We've been, we've been traveling a great deal together the last few weeks, and we have more to come. We'll, we'll be meeting in Latvia in the next few days. Um, and, you know, I'm looking forward to hearing on why you were in the ER yesterday. <laughs> so you can tell me that later. <laughs>
2: I will, but, I will share that story. Yes, I literally stepped okay. out right before stepping online here. So okay. glad to be with you guys.
1: Okay. I'm, I'm glad you're, you're out. I'm glad you're out. All right. Thank you so much, Swidart. I greatly appreciate you coming today.
2: Thank you, Alicia, for the opportunity. And you guys have a wonderful rest of the day. Thank you. You too.